Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm excited today. I've got my friend, my uh, comrade in mission, Dr. Ed Romine. Well, are you are you a doctor yet? You're in town. I think so, yeah. Okay. You're in town to walk, though, aren't you, or no? Well, robe, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> what, what, to get what? Robe? To, to roll. To roll. Oh, to roll. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because you're in a wheelchair. I understand. Yeah, that's okay. Right. <laughs> I thought you. I thought it was a different term. You don't walk if you're getting a doctorate or you know a doctoral degree. You robed or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doctor Ed Romine. My is, humor is very dark. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> this is a family-friendly podcast. So, yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad you're here, brother. Good uh, to be here. Ed is the uh, director of education at First Baptist Church, Provo, Utah. Um, longtime member of Liberty Baptist Church before he moved to Utah, which is the church where I'm a member as well. So uh, we were covenant brothers at church, and of course he um, studies here or studied here at uh, Midwestern Seminary, and is in town to to officially get your 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 doctoral degree now. Mm-hmm. You're a really educated guy, Ed. Is that like you have a lot of degrees? Do you not? That's what they say. Yeah. That's what, so. <laughs> Run those through. Okay. What's your uh, uh, your educational curriculum vitae? Yeah. So I have a bachelor of arts in music. Okay. I've played uh, low brass instruments. Okay. For about twenty years now. So I did a BA in music, and then I did an MDiv in biblical languages at one of our sister seminaries. Okay. And then my first master of theology at the same sister seminary. Okay. And then I came here. Yeah. Did our master of, of <laughs> so theology. So you have three you have three master's degrees three, or are you not done? Okay. Three master's degrees. Okay. And then, you know, by the time this drops I'll officially have my PhD. Yeah. So. I like you know the lingo with by the time this drops. That's good. Right. <laughs> Um, just so our, our listeners can get a good sense of your story, I want to talk to you about uh, ministry in, in, in Utah. This will be part of a new series uh, that, that we're doing, uh, really just about what mission looks like in different contexts. I think that can be really informative, not just for people who are interested and curious, as I am, mm-hmm. uh, but also for uh, those listening, just to see you know what God is doing in different places, what the church is, uh, is like, what our brothers and sisters are engaged in in different regions. But also could have the added benefit of some listener, you know, paying in who maybe the Lord is tugging on their heart about mission and and mm-hmm. and thinking about what are some different missional contexts, even um, even stateside, where the gospel could have a great effect. But before we jump into that, yeah. I wonder if you could just kind of share a little bit of your own story, just give our our listeners some sense of of Ed Romine, you know, your testimony. Mm-hmm. So as you mentioned very briefly. I am in a wheelchair. Yeah. I have cerebral palsy. And if you don't know what that is, that is a disability that affects one's muscles and affects specifically in my case, my ability to walk. There's different types of cerebral palsy, uh, different degrees of how badly one can be affected. But for me, it mainly affected my legs. And so I don't have the ability to walk, hence my dark joke of not walking, right? <laughs> right, okay. So I was raised by my grandparents, mm. 
and uh, they were nominally Christian, what I call C&E Christian, Christmas and Easter. Okay, right, That's yeah. when they went to church. Yeah. Now, was that Baptist? Like, what was it? It was uh, Southern Baptist. Okay. If you can think of SBC back in the 90s. Oh, okay. You know, that's what it was like, small town church. Yeah. And they would ship me off to VBS during the summer, and I always hated that because I've never been one to like singing up in front of people or <laughs> dancing yeah. and all the activities that presuppose you can walk. Mm. So I always felt out of place there. And um, I grew up with a lot of bitterness because of my CP. Mm. And my grandparents, they were, as I said, nominally Christian. They would teach things that were very true about God and also things that were very bad theologically. Here's an example of both. What was good that they taught me was that God created me, mm-hmm. that God is a God of love, and that God knows everything. Those are things that we can say theologically are very true, but they also taught me growing up that because I was born with a disability, I would get a free ticket into heaven and become one of God's angels. Okay. And if you know your Bible, that's wrong on multiple accounts. Yeah, and if I know you, you're no angel. So. Right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> you, you've heard too many of my jokes over the years. So, And uh, so I grew up with a lot of bitterness because in my young mind, it's probably about six or seven, I started thinking, God, if you know everything and if you're all-powerful, another thing that they taught me, and you can do anything, why in the world did you create me with a disability? So I I never suffered from any sort of atheism or any agnosticism. I knew that God existed, right, per Romans 1, but I literally hated God, and I resented him for giving me a disability. And I didn't think of it in those terms back then. Mm -hmm. But looking back, that's exactly what it was. So God allowed me to be very bitter, and I use that word purposely. And so I grew up in that bitterness stage. When when I found out about the devil uh, just through their nominal teaching and through the VBSs that I didn't like, I developed a fascination with the devil to the point to where it actually scared my grandparents and they didn't know what to do about it. Well, to make a long story short, fast forward young kid years, growing up with bitterness to the age of 14, I lost both of my grandparents Mm. to lung cancer. They, They died six months apart from each other. So my mother came up from the DFW area to the Texarkana area where I was raised, Texarkana, Texas. And she finished raising me throughout high school. And I'm glad that you mentioned my degrees first because my music background actually plays into my story. 
by the time I was a junior in high school, I was getting good enough in my instruments to where I was able to start giving lessons to junior high kids and lower classmen. And I met this young man who both witnessed me and invited me to church. Hmm. Uh, I think it was the best combo. And I hated his guts. <laughs> and Because I, he invited you to church or just a general? Because he wouldn't shut up about, about Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, okay. And it's like, I don't want anything to do with God or religion. Now, when you say you're interested in the devil, were you getting into a cult? Yes, Practices I was. And things? Okay. Yeah, just very nominally at the very beginning. Sure. But when my grandparents passed away, uh, I started delving into uh, harder, deeper stuff okay. and, uh, that I don't like talking about okay. anymore because it's very uh, dark, mm -hmm. and I don't like dwelling on those things. I think people can have an unhealthy right. fascination with those things. But uh, just so you can know, it's very real, and there is a supernatural world out there. Yeah. And um, it's very active and alive. So, so this fellow invited you to church. Yeah. 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 He invited me to church, and I heard the preaching of the gospel by a man named Roy Ford. He's still pastoring today. Okay. He's like my grandpa. I call him just about every month, and uh, he'd be embarrassed that I'm saying his name. He's been pastoring for over 50 years, and it's probably going to be rolled out, out of the pulpit when he dies. <laughs> and uh, God used his preaching to convert my heart. And there's been a lot of growth since then, you know, had you told me at, at 16 that I would be sitting here with a Ph.D., I would have looked at you like you had a hole, <laughs> hole in your head. But, uh, you know, God in his goodness has allowed my life to unfold in some very unique ways. Mm -hmm. And one of those is our subject, which is ministry in Utah. Oh, yeah. Look at this. King of Transitions. Yeah. You just set me up for it. That's right. <laughs> Okay, um, tell me how this began. First of all, do you have any connection to Utah at all? So during the first year of my MDiv at the Sister Seminary, okay, um, I met a youth pastor at a church that, for whatever reason, even though I wasn't a member at his church, really pushed me uh, to go for a summer to uh, Utah to help him only during the summer with evangelism to start up a church plant. So that was the beginning of my time in Utah. And while I was there, that church plant met in his home in the evenings, and First Baptist Provo met in the mornings. And my friend that went with me and I, we both thought, well, we don't— have much to do on a Sunday. Everything's shut down in Mormon land. Mm -hmm. And so why not go to both, get to know more Christians? And over the summer, we found out that we disagreed uh, methodologically with the church planning pastor. And we kept our commitment with him and kept on going throughout the summer. But 
I said if I ever went back again that I would do ministry primarily with FBC Provo. Okay. And I ended up going back four or five times through various mission trips and and uh, just getting to know the folks out there. And the last one that I w- went to was actually for seven months back in 2019. Yeah, I remember that. Okay. Yeah, and I— stayed out there for seven months, and it was at that point that God did the witness of some of the brothers there, just really impressed upon my heart the desire for local church ministry primarily rather than academics primarily. Yeah. So do you need five degrees to do what I'm doing? <laughs> no, no, you don't. But, you know, I, yeah. I, I just pray that the Lord will use them. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, I think most of our listeners maybe have some kind of idea of, of what Mormons believe. So before we get into kind of, you know, outreach, mission and ministry, right. um, let's talk about, about Mormonism, the uh, Church of, of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes. Yep. Uh, give us the bullet points of their theology. What? Right. Yeah. So the first thing that I would say is that uh, out of respect for them, they— no longer like to be called Mormons. Mormons, It's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as you said. Do they have a shorthand that they Uh, they are okay with? Technically, no, but but yes. (laughs) Nobody actually says. I see LDS Church a lot, like they say. I'm LDS or something like that. Officially, they're not supposed to do that, but that's a discussion for another (laughs) day. Okay, all right. I'm already learning something. This is really interesting. So the the main thing that would differentiate uh, Mormon religion or LDS religion from the Christian religion is two areas. Number one, uh, they don't believe in the doctrine of justification by faith alone in Christ alone. So that doctrine that Midwestern likes to herald that we are declared right before a holy God only by the blood of Jesus Christ, they would not believe that. Hmm. And then secondly, uh, their conception of who God is is very, very different. So we believe as Christian people that God is not like us. So you think about Psalm 50, which I love to use. God rebukes his people, the Israelites, and he says in Psalm 50, you thought I was just like you. But the LDS religion says that God was once a man. And not not only that, but they believe that Jesus is a completely separate being, and that the Holy Ghost is a completely separate being. And they believe that all three of those separate beings have their own corporeal flesh and blood body. Okay. So rather than God being transcendent and completely different, what we as theologians would call the creator-creature distinction, they believe that God is fundamentally 
just like we are. He's just in more of along the lines of progression. So are we kind of in an ascendant state as well? There's a time where we could potentially be a God like God? Only if you're a devout LDS adherent. Okay. Yeah. So we do not have the ability as non-LDS to become what they would call exalted. Okay. To be exalted is to become, to use their words, like Heavenly Father. And that's every LDS person's goal, if they're faithful, is to become like Heavenly Father, which they mean that literally. Did he have a creator? Correct. In their theology? Okay. Correct. Is there a prime mover? Is there an original no. un- uncaused you know, cause or no? No. Okay. So, which logically, that does not make sense. <laughs> right. Because in the LDS scheme of theology, you have theoretically somebody becoming exalted all the time. So, therefore, if you go back in time, there's a regressing number of gods. Well, if you keep going back in time, eventually, what are you going to come down to? One. One. Yeah. So I like to ask them, who created him? <laughs> who, who was his heavenly father and, and his heavenly mother? Yeah. So, so I mean, I could talk for, for uh, an hour or two on their doctrine of God, but those are the two main issues. Yeah why we would lovingly classify them as non-Christian and occult. Okay, so um, talk to us a little about what it looks like to do faithful gospel ministry in a place. I don't know what the percentages are, but I'm assuming Utah and would be, what, 90-something percent? People affiliated at least with the LDS Church? Yeah, I I would say so, at least in name. If you, you were talking about devout. Yeah, yeah. I would say with the influx of the technology boom now, there's a lot of non-Mormons that have come in. Okay, okay. So I would say, actually, it's more about 60 or so percent okay. of the state population. But where I'm at, which is part of the greater Salt Lake area, it's, it's very highly concentrated LDS. Okay. I believe last time I looked, there needs to be another census, but... There's around 80% LDS, which is still extremely oh, high. For sure. And uh, with, with the LDS, uh, what you have to understand is not only is it the predominant religion, but with that predominant religion uh, comes a culture. So if you, uh, Jared Wilson, were to move to Provo, your neighbors would probably ask you, so what ward do you go to? What's, what's your ward number? Mm. And the wards are the are the are what's contained in the meeting house. They look like Christian churches. They have a steeple and all that good stuff, but they're not Christian churches because we believe that the church is the body, like right. the physical body of people that meet. But for them, the ward is the actual congregation or congregations that meet in one building. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, w- w- 
what does the ministry ins and outs look like yeah. in that in that context? I know you're a big library guy. Yes. You have a, a library card to what the the university there or something like that? Is, I, is I that, did. I did. I need to get it renewed. It, I know but, that was for research and things, but right. Is I, that because you just wanted to learn more about the theology, or was there an inroad to mission in in doing that as well? Um. For me, the reason why I did it originally was to have access to their library to actually help with my dissertation because there was a lot of 19th century uh, resources. Now, your dissertation was on Spurgeon, was it not? Correct, yes. And they have Spurgeon stuff there? No, they actually don't. I checked. But they do have— Just ancillary resources. Yeah, Victorian England Victorian, okay, right, right. Yeah, Yeah, so, which— When I got that card, a lot of people, uh, especially here when when I showed it to them, <laughs> you know, it, it, if I had a dime for for every time somebody asked me, have I converted, uh, <laughs> I, I could I could pay for you to get a PhD on top of the degree you're okay. already <laughs> doing. So, <laughs> Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, nice. Okay. So <laughs> what does the conversation look like? with someone that you're beginning to uh, want to share the gospel with. Yeah, so it depends on whether are, they are a younger Mormon okay. or whether they are more old school. So if you talk to an old school Mormon, probably in their 70s or 80s, they're going to hold openly and admittedly to the some of the classic doctrine that I just talked about. Um, just a few weeks ago, I was, uh, met an old man Mormon on the street doing street evangelism, and and uh, we asked him, "What? Uh, why do you think you're going to heaven?" And his answer was not by grace through trusting in Jesus, but his answer was because I keep the commandments. And we asked him, "Do you think you're worthy to see the Father?" That's a that's a good question for especially older LDS people. And um, and he said yes. Mm. You know, they, they believe that they are almost equal with Heavenly Father in progression when they get that old. There's really a sense of uh, arrogance that doesn't come with one who believes in, in an all-grace gospel. Like, yeah those of us sitting at this table do, right? What's the line? Is it from Book of Mormon uh, where it says something about, like, the grace of God after all you can do right. or something that, like that? That what is, is that? second. That's in the Book of Second Nephi. I think it's 2523. Okay. And that is a good verse to go to because it sounds like Ephesians uh, 2, 8, and 9. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference. It's after all you can do, you're saved by grace. Right. And just as an aside, the, the way they would define grace is different. And that's another thing that I would say that's really important with talking to LDS people. They will use the same terminology as we do. They'll talk about faith. They'll talk about yeah. grace. But what they mean by those words is completely different. So, for example, instead of saying to an LDS person, what do you need to do to be saved? I asked them this. What do you need to do in order to have your sins forgiven? Okay. 
um, instead of using the word repentance, uh, I, I will uh, quote something to this effect. Uh, God calls you to trust in him. Who are you trusting? Is your faith in your baptism? Is your faith in your temple worthiness? Or is it in Christ alone? Are you riding on his coattails? Or are you riding on your perceived righteousness? Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Now, what about for younger LDS? Yeah, so younger LDS, this is a sense that uh, I've gotten is that uh, they're more relativistic because a person that holds to uh, the the original, um, more fluid doctrines of the LDS faith, they would say that we have the restored gospel from from our prophet, Joseph mm-hmm, Smith, mm-hmm. and you guys are wrong. Y'all are part of a false church. Whereas the younger generation, if you were to talk to missionaries, one of the first things they would try to get Jared Wilson to understand is, oh, I'm a Christian too. I wanted to ask you about this because yeah. I remember having a conversation with two Mormon missionaries who came to my door. Right. And they were, and it was, and that was what the conversation ended up revolving around. They, them insisting that they are Christian, just like we are Christian, right? And me trying to say no, not in any historical or, or biblical, but even historical or theological definition of the right. word. So to go through what my understanding of of their doctrine was, the point of of, of distinction, denial yeah. of the Trinity, denial of right. the incarnation, mm-hmm. to me, which that defines you know, Christianity. Right. But this is a relatively new thing, right? That they want to be considered Christian. Right. It used to right. be, no, we're not, you know, you guys cool. are. Yeah. And what's that about? Why would they want to be considered Christian? Just because it, it's Well, it's more the same reason why I told you that, um, that they don't like the word Mormon anymore. Okay. And I, com- yeah. I confess it's so habitual. I've said it in this podcast, sure. even after saying what I said. So they want to be perceived as Christian. So, even in wanting their full name, they like to point out to people and say, "Say, see, we have Jesus Christ in our name. We, yeah. we are a Christian church. And one of the things that I will ask LDS missionaries is, like, well, do you believe you have the restored gospel? Yeah. And so, so why do you want to be like me? <laughs> yeah. you, you, you have the real thing according to your own church tradition why why do you want to be like me why lump us in the same category why are you doing missionary work if if i'm a christian and you're a christian and what i tell them is like look guys for me there's more on the line because i'm saying that there are not three different levels of heaven or i should say kingdoms of heaven that most everybody's going to go to but rather, uh, per Hebrews, it's appointed once for a man to die and then the judgment. So there is a heaven and a hell on the line. And I'll tell them, for me, there's more at stake because I don't want you to go to hell. Yeah. And it's loving for me to say that. Like, I really wish I could, you know, hold hands with you and, and uh, say that you're my Christian brother. And humanly speaking, the LDS people are nice people. Uh, they really are kind. They really are respectful. 
and they're very likable people. So, you know, I tell them, like, I wish that I could agree with you because, uh, humanly speaking, we get along great. I'd drink my cup of coffee. You wouldn't. <laughs> you, you'd have a yeah. Coke. And, are those rules changing at all? Uh, are they starting to? Not, not no. officially. Okay, all right. So that can be an <clears throat> offline discussion. That might be the bigger uh, cultural legitimacy barrier than being called a Christian, I think. Yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> so, uh. yeah, but, uh, you know, they really are kind people. And they do a lot of uh, good work, a lot of philanthropy and yeah, yeah, yeah. things of that nature. And uh, I just really want to see them come to know the true biblical Jesus. Yeah. Um, tell us uh, a little bit about what it's like um, for First Baptist Church in Provo. Like, what is the ministry landscape <laughs> like? What have been some of the the highlights, some you know, fruitfulness from ministry there? So one one of the highlights is that uh, we just uh, received a new elder. Uh, we've been through some turmoil this past Christmas, and and uh, we we had two elders. We were down to one, and and now we have a n- new brother. Um, his name is Brendan Scoggin. Okay, and he's he's a dear dear brother and. And he's been doing a lot of the preaching at the church and just a fantastic preacher. And Good. I hope I don't make him blush too hard. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's been that's been one highlight. Um, secondly, just being able to go out and do evangelism personally for me with this brother here sitting with us. And, yeah, tell us yeah. who's here in the room with us. Yeah, so this is Brother John Cower, and he— he is a deacon at our church, yeah, and uh, also a full-time evangelist and a good preacher, both in the streets and in the pulpit. And, and really, honestly, he should be the one doing this podcast. Okay, right. he's been, sorry we didn't give you a mic, brother. <laughs> yeah, he, he he's been out there for uh, twelve years now. Is that right? Mm. So yeah, twelve years. Just people ask all the time, how's the ministry going? And uh, one thing I always say is slow and steady faithfulness. Yeah. It's not an easy soil, is it? No, yeah. it's not. The statistics say it takes about seven years for a person to come out of the LDS faith. That's not including uh, getting them plugged into the biblical faith. Right. That's just them coming out of okay. LDS religion. And I'm a proponent of all kinds of ministry out there. So I tell people, if you've got the ability and resources, yeah, get out on the street, hand out good gospel tracts, not chick tracts, but <laughs> good gospel <laughs> tracts. And, uh, you know, Get out there, talk to people. But if God places you in the workplace, uh, you'd be a goober not to develop meaningful relationships with people in your workplace and do good biblical relational evangelism uh, where you're constantly looking for opportunities to tell people about Christ and show the love of Christ by being a good worker in your job. Is it at least easier um, to have the spiritual conversations because it's very religious? Like I have found 
you know, some people are intimidated by, you know, Muslims, for instance. Right. Um, I have found it's, 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 it's easier to have spiritual conversation, not necessarily conversions, of course, but, but, to, but to share the gospel with Muslims because they don't have the same hangups about a religious conversation right. as an atheistic, you know, um, you know, you know, person like in New England or something like right. that, where there's, there's, there's more barriers to just getting to the spiritual conversation. Is it at, at least the conversation part of it somewhat easy or because people, they kind of eat, sleep, and breathe religion anyway? Or I would say yes. There, okay. There's a lot of uh, what's termed Jack Mormonism as well. Oh, okay. Uh, people that just go to church, but, I mean, you know, they they drink coffee, drink liquor. And, <laughs> so kind of like and nominal smoke. Yeah, LDS. No, nominal okay. L- okay. LDS. But that's the term, Jack Mormon. Jack Mormon, okay. And uh, there's a lot of those. Sounds too. like a bad superhero or action hero or something. Yeah. The adv- yeah. Further adventures of Jack Mormon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, but w- what's really interesting though is uh, there's a rise of uh, of occult activity out there and spiritualism mm. that is independent of organized religion. Because what generally happens is people will either leave the church and go into atheism, just, you know, say poo on it all, or they will uh, go into uh, spiritualism, occult type things. Right, okay. And so, you know, you get a you get a mix of both out there amongst the people. Do you people. have kind of a, because of the, uh, because of Utah, do you have just kind of uh, any influence of like the Southwestern uh, Native American kind of oh, spirituality oh, yes, and yes. stuff as well? Okay. Yep. In fact, in our in our church, we have Native American okay. members in our church. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, there is uh, Native American spirituality out there. And I'm thinking of one family in our church whose relatives are actually dealing with that right now. Just yeah. Just uh, I, I, I was a I lived in uh, New Mexico for a few years, mm-hmm. and the. Yeah, the evangelistic scene was was much different than yeah. what I was used to coming out of the Bible Belt because of that. There was a, a spirituality, which I kind of, to some extent, encountered in New England as well, mm-hmm. where you have this sort of almost New Agey spirituality yeah. kind of thing that kind of got mixed with, with stuff. Well, brother, it's really fantastic. So if somebody is, gosh, you know, interested or inclined to think, man, you know, I might want to know more about what it's like to be on— on mission there, where would you point them? Where should they go? What should they read? What should they, what site should they visit? That sort of thing. Yeah. So one of the books that I would recommend is uh, a book by Travis Kearns, uh, who was the Send City guy for Salt Lake for a number of years. Okay. He's now teaching at Southwestern doing apologetics there, but he has a book called The Saints of Zion, that is basically an overview of LDS theology. And the it's academic. There's footnotes. But if you're not a footnote reader, you can still benefit from okay. just reading the, the main Saints text. of Zion by Travis Kearns? Yep, okay. Travis Kearns. I okay. think it's Travis S. Kearns. Okay. But it's published by B&H. Okay. You know, any local people, I've seen it in the bookstore. Uh, but watch it not be there when I go over there today. So, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. We have listeners all over the world, actually. Right, so, yeah. yeah. So th- that's one resource that I recommend. Another resource uh, would be the Mormon Research Ministry, uh, which is uh, 
manned by a dear brother in the Salt Lake area named Bill McKeever. There's tons of articles there. Bill McKeever is a solid doctrinal evangelical and just a really good dear brother. So that would be a website that I would recommend. It's, I believe it's mrm.org. Okay. But if you Google Mormon Research Ministry, okay, it will pop up. Yeah, sure. so. Good deal. Yeah. Ed, man, thanks so much for coming on. This has yeah. been great. Yeah. It's good to catch up with you. It's been a while. You know, you, you come back just to get your degree. And yeah, that's it's good right. Good to see your face and hear your well, voice. Same to you, dear brother. <laughs> dear listener, if you enjoy the podcast, as always, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.